The Podcast Republic app wants to make it easy for you to find your favorite podcasts. I just think everyone who wants to listen to podcasts should be able to favorite their favorite podcasts and listen to them instantly on their favorite devices. They don't even want to make you pay for the privilege of getting your favorite shows. I firmly believe this should be free to all citizens of the world at large. They have a four and a half star rating with 70,000 reviews on the Google Play Store. But why trust them? They don't sound like this. Podcast Republic app is available for free on the Google Play Store. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is a man who I'm pretty certain didn't land on the planet Earth in a spaceship to try to take it over. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Leno. Although if we were in some kind of like if we were if we were characters in a nineties TV show or movie, as a big brother, that would have been what you told me. Oh, for sure. Like the the horrible you were actually adopted nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Although in our family that could work because we look nothing alike. <laughs> this is true. None of the three brothers look alike. It's no. very funny. No. Uh, we are here tying into the, not only is there a television program coming out based on this franchise, but also another movie was secretly filmed in this franchise and will be coming out in the next couple of months, I believe. Uh, didn't know that. It's Critters Mania in 2019. Uh, Fuck off! That's Critters music! (laughs) The Critters are back, y'all! There's just Critters everywhere! Uh, so we watched Critters, and you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's just somehow not a ripoff of Gremlins. Something's gotta be done about just somehow not a ripoff of Gremlins. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. I was very much expecting a total Gremlins ripoff, and this movie really isn't a Gremlins ripoff. Well, apparently it was written before, like, this and Gremlins were written at the same time, unaware of each other. Gremlins just came out first. But I don't, like, I can see why you would compare them. It's like small little monsters take over the world type deal. But I really don't think that they're similar in any way. Like, I think the tone is very different in both movies. The t- Gremlins is sort of like a magical wonder to it, whereas this is very much like a science fiction movie. Yeah, I, I, but I almost feel like this movie kind of wanted to be more Gremlinsy. Like, I can see the hints and the influences, like the 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 wash of Gremlins over this movie. Sure. Um, and honestly, it's a shame because this is a good movie, but. I think Gremlin scratches the itch that this movie is trying to scratch better. Does it make sense? Yeah, I see what you mean. Although I, I like I said, I think they're pretty different. Like I, I don't think I would be in a Gremlin. I think I would be either in a Gremlin's mood or a Critter's mood. Okay, that's fair. Because like this is a very different uh, tone. Like this is more of like cheeky sci-fi, whereas Gremlin's has always felt to me of like fantasy magic sort of. Yeah, it's Gremlins has more whimsy, I think. Yeah, whimsy is a great word for it. Well, it's Joe Dante. Absolutely. So uh, we start. I forgot off... Dick Miller died, and then relearned that fact a few days ago, and got <laughs> bummed out all over again. Yeah, he just recently passed. So it was just shortly after his, I want to say, ninetieth birthday. Yeah, that man, staple of of weird horror whimsy. Yes, hundreds and hundreds of projects. There was a, there was, I think it was his 90th birthday because I remember Joe Dante posting pictures of like, oh my gosh, I'm at Dick Miller's 90th birthday and all these like very cool people. Like the kind of party I absolutely would want to be at is the birthday party for a 90 year old character actor. Oh my which God. I think yeah. says a lot about me as a person. E. McClurg's like, 90th. I want to be there. <laughs> yeah. Or they're like, it's like, okay, I got two tickets here that are magic tickets. It'll get you into any party. And it's like, some super L.A. rave, and I'm like, can I get into Dick Miller's 90th birthday and just, like, be a wallflower there? 
they like would keep the tickets they're like you don't need a ticket for that i'll just walk in (laughs) and people will assume you know someone i'm gonna keep these tickets for myself now like that's basically like a family birthday party for grandpa like you do not no 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 (laughs) this is dick miller we're talking about here i would love to have been at dick miller's 90th birthday party oh i wish and not even to be like obnoxious and try to talk to everybody. Like I would be fine just having. A I beer. just want to watch. I would. Yeah. Wanna, I mean, I would want to talk to Dick Miller, shake his hand, and say, "Yeah, thank no, you I, I wish him a happy birthday for sure." But I'm not gonna like bother the guy. He's he's at his birthday. I guess this is it. not just, elevator pitch. This is not right. an elevator pitch party. No, no. This is this like I'm happy to say like happy birthday, Mr. Miller. It's so nice to meet you. I'm sorry for meeting you the first time at your birthday. And then go to the bar and drink beers very quietly and just watch people mingle. That's fine. Mm-hmm. With me, yeah. Um, R.I.P. Dick Miller. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned his passing on the podcast before, but uh, and R.I.P. Me and Gene Okerlund, which I think we said before, but I was just editing the podcast and thinking, like, I don't know, didn't, what we did, didn't I? Don't know that we mentioned that he just passed recently as well. And we use his voice in our intro, so thank you for for uh, being part of our podcast, even though you have no idea what it is for sure. Maybe Dick Miller listened to an episode before. <laughs> it could have. Maybe he listened to Chopping Mall. Yeah, no, he absolutely could have. He is, like, one of my favorite parts of that. Anyway, uh, that concludes the in-memoriam segment for the second piece. I hope that we didn't leave anybody important out. Um, so, anyway, we're on a spaceship, and there's some aliens that are, like, floating. They look like Jabba the Hutts with... There's an alien on a hover-round. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very Doctor Who-y. I don't know if you've watched any it of- It is very- okay. I've only seen, like, two episodes. But okay. from And my friends are obsessed in cosplay as the Doctor and people all the time. So, like, I'm yeah. aware- I'm tangentially aware. Yeah. So, I know the aesthetic. I really liked the first run with Christopher Eccleston, I think his name That's is. That's the like, one I watched the most from. So, I watched that, and then my favorite by far was the next Doctor- David Tennant. Was- David Tennant was amazing. Like, He's fun and dreamy. Yeah, yes, but he, I loved his take on the Doctor. And then Matt Smith, within five episodes, I was like, I, this is not for me. I, I don't care for Matt Smith. He yeah. and Benedict Cumberbatch are in the same alien face camp oh, it's, to me. I, it's worse with Matt Smith because he has no eyebrows. Oh, that's true. And I don't know if, I'm not trying to clown on a guy who may have like a medical issue that he doesn't have eyebrows because of it. I just... Because you yourself have some light eyebrows. Yeah, so I'm not, you know, but I don't though. Matt Smith genuinely does not oh, have I know. eyebrows. Okay, like alopecia style has no eyebrows. So I don't know if that's a personal choice. I can't imagine that it is. So I'm not trying to clown on the guy, but I just think it makes his face look more alien. It's all I'm saying. That's fair. I like Benedict Cumberbatch very much. I can take or leave him. He's all hard angles and, and, and mysterious glances. I get that. See, Zachary Quinto scratches that itch for me. <laughs> anyway. We're on the spaceship with these hover around aliens, and they're like, "Oh, the the crates—they're all eating each other." And I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused as to why we're calling them crates and then critters later. But I guess that makes sense, as like different countries have different name for things. Yeah, this and this is the first twenty minutes are full on Shakespeare, where someone comes on bloody and is like. The battle that just happened was uh-huh. amazing. Let uh-huh. me tell you all about it. And I was yes. like, this is the medium of film. You can show me. <laughs> yeah, yes. And also, like, I'm here for a special effects monster flick. Like, come on. Because they literally just talk for t- the first 20 minutes of, like, they're eating each other. We had to do this to make them work. Oh, no, they made an explosion happen. They've escaped in our fastest ship with a, f- with a full tank of gas, so don't need to worry about how far they can get, because trust me, they can get anywhere. <laughs> yes. Which, like, direct quote from the film. Yes, it actually is. And that is such a funny thing, too, of, like, I guess it's supposed to be we don't know where they're going, so it's going to take longer to find them. I but guess. it doesn't really, like, play out that way. Lilo and Stitch showed more in the first 20 minutes. (laughs) There's also some very odd costume choices, I feel like, across the board for these aliens. They're, like, not quite weird enough. They look look like um, Ren Fair costumes, kind of. Like, they they would look like they would walk around at a Ren Fair, and you wouldn't be like, why are you here? They're also sort of Star Trek-y in that they kind of look like modern military uniforms. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Um, there are also these two no-face monsters, which I thought looked really cool. And then we find out that they're shapeshifters, which was an even cooler wrinkle, that they're basically like lumps of clay that can become whatever. I thought was a really interesting wrinkle of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I 
I thought they were interesting. I've, they clearly could only afford one face shifting shot, but then but wrote six into the script for some right. reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so like when they decide on their face, we see what I thought was going to happen was it was like the person's face encased in wax, and the wax was going to melt away and just reveal a face. But instead, they like Indiana Jones and then reverse Indiana Jones, so it melts yeah. down to a human skull. Don't know why it's a human skull under there and then it rebuilds layer by layer which just it felt a little weird and it also is odd because they do this like real hardcore face thing i the reason i think it's a human skull is because i i was i was giving them the credit of this thing was mimicking a human face and therefore like made the skull first oh like it swaps out a base inside yeah like it's just literally a lump of clay that can become any shape so they made a skull to so the this face would have been a great. great time for some claymation yeah, their their faces are look like clay. Yeah, but I gotta say, I thought this effect was dope. This like the Indiana Jones style melting head, I thought was really really cool. And doing it in reverse was something different. They do a couple of reverse effects in this movie, which is had sort of been phased out at this point. It was not like a super. I mean, they're obviously was still pretty used in the eighties, but I think it's a cool thing. Like every even your like base level movie goer who sees one movie a year gets that they're just running the film in reverse but i still think it looks cool you know what i mean well when they do it later they play the sound in reverse too which is a real bummer yeah i didn't i didn't like that choice but we'll, we'll get there um uh, so one of the one of the uh bounty hunters is the original broadway cast obc beast from beauty and the beast as, as well, well as, as a lot of like he was Javert. He was in the Adams Family musical. He's been in a lot of stuff. Like, he's a prolific actor. Yeah. And I just love that in the 80s, Broadway actors could be in movies. <laughs> and, like, now weird... it's just shitty TV shows. If you're on Broadway, <laughs> you can do a really terrible TV show, but that's it. I, I do understand why it's not so prevalent, where I think, like, this guy is sort of needs to be a Broadway actor in that he's chewing scenery and working for the back row. Whereas, I. I'm always surprised. Like television is a much more intimate sort of storytelling, so it it does make sense to me that Broadway. It doesn't make sense to me that Broadway actors would be translating well to TV and not this type. Of, like I would. Well, they're think, not translating well to TV. Okay. That's why it's terrible shows that are canceled in half a season. Because I feel like if you need a big villain, like a cartoony villain, like I think Marvel ought to be going to Broadway to cast some of their villains. Because I feel like villains are a weak spot in the Marvel universe on a regular yeah, basis. Yeah, up until f- it's literally Loki and Thanos, and that's it, are the only interesting ones. Yeah, Red Skull's okay. I thought Killmonger. He showed up once. No, I'm, I know, but I'm saying like even just once. I'm fine if they get killed in one movie, but I thought Killmonger is probably my favorite uh, Marvel baddie. Which one was he? Black Panther? Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was... I think he's better than Thanos, personally. Um, Thanos, however the hell you're supposed to say it. Anyway. Um, Purple Brolin. Yeah, Purple Brolin. Uh, so we cut from space to Earth, and it's legendary 80s mom, D. Wallace. America's sweetheart, D. Wallace. If I was to be in a movie, and I needed to cast an actress to be my mom, D. Wallace, number one. Yeah, only because our mom would... I don't think our mom would fare well on film. <laughs> I, I just was trying to cast an actress, you know, to play to play the part in the movie and not my actual mother. Yeah. Although well, it works our, for some people. Yeah. Other backup would be the um, Mrs. Peltzer from Gremlins. Yes. Yeah. Also a great choice. Uh, Dee Wallace was also the mother in... Uh, Cujo. Cujo, yes. And wasn't there one more... Uh, I know she was in Rob Zombie's Halloween remake. She played Mama Strode. No, I thought she was the mom in another like major. I'm gonna look it up and then I'm gonna feel like an idiot. There, it, the Howling. No, ET. Okay, I was like ninety oh, percent sure it was ET because there's that ET joke in this movie later, and I was like, I thought that was a reference to her being in that. Yeah. Um. So she's frying up some breakfast. We don't get to see the eggs in the pan, which is a real disappointment to me. You know, as if you're a regular listener to this show, you know I'm a hardcore critic of eggs on film, and I'm really disappointed we did not get to see eggs in this movie. Well, that's because I'm pretty sure whatever was in the pan wasn't food. No, I know. It was just ice cubes, so it would sizzle. But I am a purist. When you're cooking breakfast in a movie, I want to see eggs in the pan. I want to see how good they are. I want to judge this character by their ability to make eggs. When really you're just judging a PA. 
<laughs> yes, but I like as a it's like <laughs> oh I understand that someone else made the eggs, but the character has made those eggs, so I get to put some judgment on it. And it's a really fun family dynamic. It it feels like yes, kind of like bitey and and punchy, but like there definitely feels like they all love each other underneath, which is really nice to see in a family dynamic. Yeah, yeah, they feel very close, even though they like get on each other's nerves, which is I think very nice. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, Scott Grimes as the young son, who is probably most famous for being one of the voices on American Dad, which is in its like twenty seventh season, I think. Who is but, he in that? Uh, the kid, Steve. He voices the kid. Uh huh. Really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, but he's been in uh, in some movies as well. Uh, the the most famous one would probably be uh, he's been in Band of Brothers. People might know him from ER or Party of Five. Things that I have not watched. If you were watching television dramas in the late 90s. I mean, ER ran for like a billion years, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it did. Well, it was supposed to be a movie. Right. Um, anyway, we go to the sheriff's office and it's another legendary character actor, M. Emmett Walsh. Though I know, I recognize him mostly as the cranky neighbor in Christmas with the Cranks. Oh my god, that is so upsetting to me. That is, like, deeply, deeply disappointing. I watched that movie probably once a year, so I'm familiar with it. I mean, Blood Simple, Blade Runner, The Jerk, Harry and the Hendersons, which we did on this show. Oh, that's right, he was in Harry and the Hendersons. And The Jerk is a blind spot for me, and it shouldn't be, because it's got Bernadette Peters and Steve Martin in it. Yeah, I bet it doesn't hold up. Like, I bet it's... Like, it's a 70s comedy, so there's definitely going to be a bunch of stuff in there that makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. But he was also apparently in Civil War. No. The Civil War? Because he's no. that old. <laughs> no, I just got fooled by a spoof movie poster on, on IMDb, so that's really nice. I feel good about myself. <laughs> yeah, he might have been in the real Civil War. I mean, it's definitely possible. Is he dead? No. Okay. I don't want to clown on dead people. That's that's a that's a rule I like to follow in general. Uh, unless <laughs> they do Bagley. Unless they deserve Bagley is alive and well. Thank you. I know very much. when he if when he dies. If we're still doing this podcast, that clowning is continuing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's the sheriff, and he is his full on uh, M.M. at Walsh flustered like. Yeah, does he has this great and it's it's mostly gone now because it's forty years later. But in this era, he still has this like tuft of hair in the front that's clinging on, and they use it really well to convey how flustered M.M. at Walsh is by like the where this little tuft is. So when he's like got his stuff together, it's like nicely smoothed back. It's like sort of a comb over, but not really. It's a comb and, back. Yeah, comb back, I guess. But I, it's like. I don't think he thinks anybody's fooled. I think he's just like, I got this little tuft left and I'm going to keep it here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel like, a, oh, I'm compensating for this bald spot. Let me cover it up. It's more like I'm, I got this tuft and it's going to stay until it's not there anymore. And then as the movie goes on, the tuft just starts like sticking straight up more and more. And there's a sequence. It's great. Yeah. There's a sequence later in the house where he gets like knocked on his butt and he gets up and it's just like a foofy thing waving around up there. And I just really <laughs> enjoy it. Yeah. Um and so there's a few points in the movie where they have the the beast sing because yeah. he so the bounty hunter is imitate is transformed himself into a rock star called Johnny Storm Steel. Johnny Steel. I was like it sounds like either a porn star or a superhero. He's like a very generic 80s hair metal ballad guy is what we got here. Yeah, exactly. Um, but every time he sings, all I hear is the damn beast. <laughs> That's really funny. Because he's got I, such a distinct voice. That, right, like, right. Yeah, no, even totally anytime he does anything else, all I hear is the beast, because that's what I heard him first. Yeah. Like, I, I burned that CD out when I was in eighth grade, when I was in Beauty and the Beast. Sure. Original cast recording? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's real good. Um, it's also got the voice of the woman who would go on to voice Meg in Hercules. Oh, how about she that? She was Belle. Fun fact. Um, but he sings a bunch because he's on the he sings on the ship and that's where the bounty hunter gets the idea. And then D. Wallace is listening to like is watching MTV and yeah. that seems like a weird choice for D. Wallace. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like the it seems like the teenage daughter should be watching MTV and D. Wallace is like 
maybe in the kitchen paying attention halfway and kind of dancing at you know what i mean like or like, like dusting or vacuuming behind her yeah exactly it doesn't seem like she this character would just like pop on the johnny steel video but maybe she just likes the feathered hair and the smoldery eyes because like yeah, i get it. it yeah there's a I dude who look good with horns and a lot of hair <laughs> and and the kind of the kind of dude who woman would still want to do hand stuff with if he was a water buffalo mostly like 80 percent water buffalo <laughs> i don't know if we've talked about this on the show i feel like we oh, did God. i feel like we did an episode where we talked about how they just randomly clown on bell in beauty and the beast oh yeah because she's pretty and she, but, okay, but no, like, and also okay the bell clowns on the town right but the first like 10 minutes of that thing is like them being like ugh. There, she's always got her nose in a book with that stuck up bitch bell and then she talks about how crappy her town is also, I would really like to know what episode that's in. So if you are listening and you know, please tell us. I've said this several times and no one ever does it. So if you're out there and you remember, I'm not asking you to go scouring, but if you have an idea, just let us know. But if we didn't touch on it there, it's definitely implied that Bell does at least hand stuff with a water buffalo. And everyone is just fine with that in Beauty and the Beast. But then Shape of Water comes out and everybody's like... Meh, 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 she had sex with a fish man. I'm like, yeah, that's part of the Beauty and the Beast narrative. They 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 fall in love with the creature. Yeah, only after he starts being nice. Right. The creature in the thing, they have, you know, they do it, but they, you know, afterwards. But people are always like, oh my god, oh my god. And I'm like, Beauty and the Beast, like, they don't show you that in the animated Disney tale, but they at least went to bed together. <laughs> you think that, like, that happened? Yes. Pre- Pre no nose prince. Yes, absolutely. Huh. Well, she, how else is she gonna agree to like marry him and live with him forever? Because she fell in love. Yeah, part of which is compatibility. I but I guess if she but no because she didn't agree to marry him until after he was a prince. So she was not co-signing on I want to be with you forever. You water she agrees, buffalo. She agrees. You eighty percent water buffalo. She agrees to stay there forever. Well before he turns into a prince. No, but that would, no, okay, so she agreed to stay there forever as a prisoner, not as a romantic partner. It's heavily implied that there was hand stuff. That's all I'm saying. Trip does, hashtag Trip does beast stuff. Hashtag Trip does Muppet stuff. <laughs> Just saying, it's heavily implied that she at least did hand stuff with the water buffalo. And hashtag allegedly. <laughs> Hevel, hashtag heavily implied. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so the critters are going to Earth. Uh, there's a guy in the jail who apparently is in like every critters movie. I don't know if he's in the new show. Oh, really? I think yeah. The the guy uh, Charlie is apparently a regular in these critters movies. Um, so it was okay. Flashback to Blockbuster days. Now a restaurant in our hometown because <laughs> blockbusters don't exist. Yes. Um, was Critters one? the vhs cover that had them coming out of the toilet or is nope. it critters 2 but no that's ghoulies it's a totally different franchise are you kidding me i was gonna bring that up later because the, the toilet scene made me think of it yeah i was convinced that like there was a bunch of vhs covers i was we've, i think we've mentioned this before but i was a bit of a wimp like i did not get into horror movies until much much later and so even walking down the horror aisle of the of the blockbuster or the magic video before blockbuster um do you remember magic video yeah with the wizard. They did sell those uh, buckets of popcorn. It was a bucket for popcorn where the, bu- the, the bag of popcorn was stuck to the bottom. And I always wanted to get one because it, so- it was like, you get the movie theater experience at home. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it seemed so cool and we never got it. Yeah. <laughs> it would probably have been pretty average. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's middling popcorn. <laughs> it's cheap microwave popcorn glued to a bucket. Uh, sorry for the tangent about video rental stores in Downingtown, Pennsylvania, which is a narrow cast for a party of three, perhaps. <laughs> We're going to get tweets about, I remember magic video. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of like people talking on Twitter about the people's nostalgia for Blockbuster. And a lot of it is like film people being like, Blockbuster killed the independent video store. And that's absolutely true. And I agree with them. But okay. I think what people forget is like for a lot of people, they didn't start going to the video store until the mom and pops were long dead. So Blockbuster is like the only video rental experience memory that they have. Exactly. Which is what people are nostalgic for. Those days or the days when Netflix used to send you things. Which still is a service they offer. 
It is? Yeah. You still can get DVDs and Blu-rays sent to your house? And the selection is way better. Really? That's fascinating. I just yeah. assumed that service was dead. Nope. It's it's healthy and thriving and has way better selection. Interesting. Whatever. I do miss the days of want, like like exciting to scare myself by walking down the horror movie aisle and looking yes. at the covers. So, uh, uh, sorry, that's what we were supposed to talk about. So, yes, I, I definitely would do that. And I distinctly remember having some toilet-based apprehension after seeing that Ghoulies cover. Uh-huh. I, I agree. That it was like, I don't know if I can poop for a while. I was more scared that any time the toilet seat was already down, like the full thing was down and I had to open it. That sure, was more what sure. scared me. I was like, there's something, there's going to yeah. be something in there. There's a ghoulie in there for sure. I've seen the, 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 the documentary cover. At the ghoul me section. once, shame on you. <laughs> ghoul me twice, shame on me. The ghoulies, that should have been their tagline. The ghoulies also have a part three or part four where they go to college. <laughs> the later years. It's ghoulies, gen- the, later years. the movie is genuinely called ghoulies go to college. Uh, I guess we stopped trying it at a certain point. Yeah, there's like five or six. Go- we'll probably do a Ghoulies down the road, but there's at least five of those, I think. The first anyway, one. This movie exists. Yes. Sorry. And it's a good movie, too. Yeah. We- Morning podcast, man. They're different. <laughs> um, I-, I have to know how many Ghoulies films there are now. Okay. Four Ghoulies films. Ghoulies Go to College is number three. Okay. What's number four? Ghoulies Get Their Masters? It's called Ghoulies 4 and directed by noted pornographer Jim Wynorski, who I think we did. Uh, he did Chopping Mall. I was going to say he did the Chopping Mall. Okay. Anyway, back on track. Sorry. So the no faces have shifted into Johnny Steele and they do the, the cool face effect. We got uh, we go back to Earth and we got this kids messing with fireworks and like just randomly set. He's a fireworks. nightmare. Yes. This, he, this boy is a nightmare. He's got a huge slingshot and a crap load of fireworks and he is excited to use both of them. Yeah, he. you should probably check for patches of freshly unearthed ground in your yard, D. Absolutely. Wallace. Are and there just missing neighborhood dig. cats? Yeah. <laughs> Are there I'm missing not, neighborhood I'm, cats? I'm not saying anything specific. I'm just going to lay a few facts out, lay a few things on the table, and see what, see what happens. Yes. Although I will say I was quite disappointed because there's no Chekhov's slingshot in this movie. No, it's just Chekhov's... Um, uh, dynamite i guess but i thought he was gonna slingshot the weapon the the dynamite into the thing oh oh that like the slot anything into the mouth of a ghoulie into like there's a scene at the end where a guy makes a like a, a th- he throws a bottle of cocktail into a door that's closing and i was like this is what the slingshot should be here for yeah i think this movie need has some tweaks I mean, it's like I said, it's a good movie. Roger Ebert gave it three stars and enjoy and liked it. So it's like a well-regarded movie. I just think it could use a few tweaks. I think it's a solid B movie for sure. Also, very quickly, the movie Skyscraper has my new favorite Chekhov's anything that we've had. And I Chekhov's swear to- replacement leg? No, it's Chekhov's turning it off and back on again. Really? Yes. So Chekhov's IT. There's a section of the beginning where The Rock fixes his wife's phone and she's like, Oh my god, I can never do this. And he's like, you just gotta turn it off and back on again. And then later in the movie, spoiler, 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 she solves a problem by turning something off and back on again. Wow. That's bad. Yeah, it's I was I couldn't stop laughing. So the dad is furious about these fireworks. Billy Zane rolls up with just a chef's kiss mullet. I mean, just a really it's great tied, mullet. It's so here's the thing. Going back to Beauty and the Beast, it's tied into a low ponytail a la Gaston. Yes. Yes. Uh, but it is, it, you can tell this is some serious cabbage he's got going up there. Yeah. We get a nice dinner sequence with uh, full glasses of milk all around. <laughs> Everybody's got a glass of milk to, to chug at dinner time. Ugh. Uh, I, I just, I just can't. I just cannot. <laughs> Uncomfortable. Glasses of milk are for breakfast foods and breakfast foods alone. And desserts, I guess. Some treats. Some. And even then, I don't do it. I'm not going to indulge. You That's have, not for me. You can have cookies and milk, which is fine. Yeah. Cake. Don't be getting milk with your ice cream. Too much. <laughs> and the, just put them together and make it a milkshake. Yeah. So we have a trope that I really love in movies, and that is dinner is awkward. So everybody's you, all you hear at dinner is like the clanking of, of silverware and, and glasses on the table. Uh-huh. And I, it makes me laugh because it's like everyone universally understands this is movie shorthand for this dinner is awkward and no one's talking. 
but I've been at an awkward dinner and I cut my food as if I'm diffusing a bomb. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, there is not a scrape noise, not a fork tink, not a clinkle, crinkle of a, a ice cube in a glass of water. If I'm yeah, trying, oh, I don't touch my glass because <laughs> I don't want to make a noise. I will pick that glass of water up as if I'm doing the the swap in in Indiana Jones and the <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark, where I'm like, careful, lift, good, rotate Easy. slowly to my lips, and then just a gentle sip without tilting the glass. Okay, good, and back down. I will I will carefully cut through that green bean like without touch, and maybe I don't sever it all the way because I, I can't just touch put the it. Plate. Just do it mostly and then fold it. Yep. Fold it in half. Exactly. So I <laughs> I love that, and I, I get why they do it. Like it's instant shorthand. Everybody understands what they're doing, but it is so unlike my experience of like if I'm feeling uncomfortable, you will not hear me eat at all. There will not. Yeah, my be- eyes are staring through the food. Yes. Like, you ever go to a friend's house for dinner when you were little and the friend does something stupid mid-meal and gets yelled at and then everybody just silent? Like, mm-hmm. like the kind of where you want to disappear through the floor? You wouldn't have heard a peep out of my plate. Not one. Absolutely not. Um, and so this is the, the first of many complaints I have that, like, this movie is under 90 minutes, which, like, thank you. It's but- 80. It's flat out 80. But, like, you could have added 10 minutes of character development in, and I would have been happy. Because, like, for me, I, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to keep comparing it to Gremlins, but, like, the Gremlins have a personality. And, like, I kind of see what they're going for. The Ghoulies, they try and establish that. Critters, not the Ghoulies. Fucking Wrong franchise. The Critters, they try and establish a personality and, like, silliness. But it, uh, to me, it's it's not enough, and it's too late in the movie. The, um, I think they could have used more, I would have liked to know the boyfriend or the daughter more, because, like, she's trying to bone him, but he's, like, not receptive. I think it's just, like, he's a bad boy at in looks and everything, but he's... In what? No, he is a preppy boy. I mean, he's got a ridiculous car. That is not a preppy boy car. He's a rich kid car. I, I... Totally read. Maybe it's just because I think of Billy Zane and I think instant bad boy. But yeah, I was like, I think you're being clouded by the Zane because the idea is that the dad. <laughs> Can we make that a new podcast? Clouded by the Zane. Clouded uh, by a, a film by film analysis of Billy Zane's career. Zane cast. No, it's called Clouded by the Zane. Welcome back, Zaniacs. It's Trip Lano and Andrew Lano. For your latest episode of Clouded by the Zane, the internet's number one and probably only Billy Zane podcast. We go chronologically through Billy Zane's filmography. Up this week, it's Critters. Can't wait to see what Billy does in this one. A Zane cast. <laughs> um, because the it's this weird thing where the dad seems to think that like it, it's implied that the dad thinks the only job worth doing is a farm job. Absolutely. Because he sees this nice, this kid's nice car, and he's like, can't put a lot of hay in that car. <laughs> he, no, he's, he says, won't be hauling a lot of hay in that. And Billy Zane is, like, incredulous. Like, yeah, no, of course I wouldn't. <laughs> Even if you, a hay farmer, had this car, you wouldn't put hay in it. <laughs> right. This is not your hay car. This is not a pickup truck. It's a car for driving. So, like, I was like, are we supposed to think that he's, like, you know, a spoiled rich kid like it, it didn't i didn't quite get that like her dad hated him the movie told me that happened but it didn't show me that happened i think it was very much the trope of dad hates anyone who's coming to see his daughter and not this particular boy yeah but you can show me that a little more no i i i'm not arguing with you i'm just saying i think what they're trying to convey is like that very and we've talked about this horrible trope before of like nobody's good enough for my daughter and it's like what are you trying to say there creepo um, my daughter's incapable of picking a man for herself because she's right. a woman and I am a man. Right. She needs to be betrothed to me and Jesus until her marriage. Yeah. Um, but I do love that, like, Billy Zane is trying to be respectable and respectful of this guy. And so they, like, go to leave him. And, and she, he's like, oh, I thought you were going to come watch my bowling match. And Billy Zane's like, we could we could do that. And she's like, no, let's go. And he's but he's like, very she also much- tries to, like, puts her hand like so she puts her hand on his thigh at the table and like 
It's upper thigh. It's it's thigh where it meets the the body. It's very like, inappropriate. Here's the thing. I like that's just what like so putting my hand on someone's thigh is not necessarily a sexual like I need I want like if you're if you're going to say that she's trying to like start something at the table for whatever reason in front of her parents like it needs to be more clear like it should have been like a bleep Oh, she she does the slide up. Oh, I mean, I must have missed that because I was like, he reacts and does a slide up fire ants on his pants. No, no, she starts sliding her hand up, and he's like, "Yo!" Like that's definitely like a not right now. Okay, and then she's like, "I want to drive your car," and she drives it two feet, still fully visible, and is like, "We're gonna go to the barn to have sex." And I was like, maybe you should put the car a little further because you told your parents you were going somewhere. They do. End They're up- going to look outside and see a car is still there and be like, oh, I wonder. I thought they ended up moving it behind the barn. It's well, it's not far enough that her brother can't see it from his window. True. Who, by the way, is in his room making a literal pipe bomb. Yeah, this kid is a nightmare. See earlier points about fresh mounds of dirt. Yeah. So the dad comes in the kid's room and he confiscates his slingshot because earlier we, we didn't mention this. The uh, help the hand on the farm, Charlie, who also gets copied by the aliens later and who we heard who heard the aliens through the fillings in his teeth in prison was shooting this the slingshot. Lenny. Yes, exactly. Lenny uh, shot the slingshot and hit the sister in the butt with a rock and the brother takes the fall for him which i thought was a a pretty interesting move because this kid didn't seem like the type no again the movie could have been could have made clear characters to be fair it does seem like charlie is his only friend that's true you're right and if charlie gets fired he will not have any friends and also will have to do the work himself um so the brother I don't, the brother just wants to, I don't, he makes a pipe bomb and then leaves his room and it's unclear what his intentions are. Like if he's going to go use it on his sister in the barn or just like go blow up something in the yard. I don't know, but he's clambering over the roof. Like he's Spider-Man and the dad like hiding from the dad. And then they see the critters ship fly overhead and it crash. It doesn't. No, it doesn't crash. So it just lands, but it makes an earthquake. Yeah, it lands really hard. I think what the logic. I think it's like real kid logic, where he's like, "Oh, this is gonna make a loud noise and scare my sister." But what he's actually done is make a bomb that's gonna kill someone. Like, <laughs> like in his mind, it's like if one firecracker is this loud, ten firecrackers is this loud, and he hasn't like done the mental calculation of, oh, also it's a bomb now. See, I this kid feels like he's the mastermind to like it's a Heather situation. Like he's the JD, and he needs a Veronica who's stupid <laughs> to be like, no, this is just gonna make a real loud noise. You should light it directly under them in the barn. Yeah, yeah. Like he's gonna throw this, and it's gonna blow up their tra- tractor, and it's gonna spread shrapnel and flames everywhere. Exactly. Maybe send a barbed wire fence through the air. Yeah. Uh. So. Dad and the kid go hunting for, like, what made this earthquake, which doesn't make much sense. No, well, it's it's the blob. It's killer clowns. You right. go investigate. <clears throat> and this is where I wrote, up till this point, this movie could be another Purple People Eater situation. How so? Like, it, nothing scary has happened. Like, it's, I kept, like, it sort of tonally feels like it's going to be a little kid learns a lesson movie from oh, aliens. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like... This kid learned, like, I was like, I had to, like, remind myself that it was going to be scary, because I was like, it feels like these critters are going to show up, and this kid's going to have to, like, learn how to take care of something, and, right, like, right. become responsible. Yeah. Um, it's not that, thankfully, because that movie stinks real bad. Um, but the, the the deputy of the town gets taken down by the crit. He, like, goes to investigate, and the critters, like, take him down, you know, chop his leg, bite his legs, and tackle him. And then we cut to like as they're, they're basically about- just tribbles. Yes, they are. They're they're tribbles with teeth. Um, no, but I, yeah, because it's just the little pom poms with sound effects until right. they become puppets. But uh, as they do a cool cut where it's like the tri- the the tribbles, the critters are about to eat the guy, and then they cut to like D Wallace putting food in the garbage disposal. That was a nice touch. But and it is, I love the shot. But holy crap, D. Wallace is putting way too much food in this garbage disposal. Like D. Wallace, you're not supposed to put the whole ham in there. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard of making a stock? 
Or just, Wallace. or just scrape that stuff into the trash can. Like, you're going to clog your pipes. It's going to be bad. <laughs> I had a neighbor put, like, a crazy amount of food through the disposal at some point. And, I, and this is an older house, but so is the one in this movie. And I was like, they, I, the sink in my uh, basement was, like, filling up. And it was like, I could see stuff floating in it. And they had to come do maintenance. And the dude, like was like how much food did you put in your garbage disposal and i was like almost none like the occasional eggshell like i don't i don't do gar i'd never use it because i'm afraid of this because i'm a renter i don't even have a garbage disposal and the guy upstairs must have put like a whole gallon of soup through there because it was just like <laughs> gross you should check his floorboards d wallace you are gonna ruin your pipes um so she sees a ghoulie's eyes through the window and then the ghoulies get into the critter. She sees a critter's eyes through her window. You didn't clock me on that one. <laughs> I did it. I did it. it my it, my brain was a little slow. They hear the critters are in the basement, so the dad decides to go investigate down there. It's like the it's like Bilko doors where Dorothy's family hides from the twister. Um, so it's a it's a storm cellar. Yeah, D and her and their and their son are at the top, and the dad's in the basement. And he sees an animal, like what he, a critter. He sees, a, I can say critter because it would be, he, that's what he would call it. And he reaches out to touch it rather than be like, you know what? There's an animal in the basement. We'll just call an exterminator. Or just shoot it. Like best case scenario, this is a rabid raccoon. That's, that, that's also a fair point. Uh, they also cut the phone lines, which we, we, we skipped. The, oh, and the, and the electricity. Right. The critters have figured out how to disable this house like uh, silent killers. You know. Uh, they also have fireable quills. Yeah, that's interesting, interesting power to give them. Yeah, yeah. And I like how the dad is fighting it off, and the kid is trying to come down, and the mom is trying to stop the kid, and the dad keeps being like, do not, under any circumstances, enter this basement. I will die alone. I'm not taking you all down with me. Stay up there. <laughs> and I really kind of respect this dad move of like, hey, it's I'm probably going to die, but do not come down here. Yeah, don't try and save me. Um, And then this is where we get... The second of five transformation shots that aren't actually seen, like the the actor just basically like twitches his face. They cut to the beast, and then they cut back to a new actor as the the thing. So, was there a spot that I missed that like this guy's transformation's not holding and he needs to change it all the time? Is there ever any logic for why he keeps changing? No. So when they land on Earth, he's like, make a new, pick a form, and the guy's like, none of them like me. And I, he was like, just pick one. I'm guessing maybe like they have to, maybe it's like a symbiotic relationship. I don't know. The movie didn't explain it. Right. This it, is one of those feels like it's supposed to be played for laughs gags, but I don't get the joke. Yeah, I was confused by this. So I'm glad it wasn't just me that I like missed something important. Uh, so they nurse dad back to health. And meanwhile, the critters attack Billy Zane and uh, kill him. down real easy. Yeah, he, he is. Maybe he's not a bad boy. <laughs> yeah, he is a soft underbelly preppy. I just because felt like one he bite was... to the belly, and he is like spitting up a gallon of blood. I guess you know what? If he would have had a leather jacket, if he was a bad boy, yeah, he would have. He was missing that very key piece of and gla and sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't. I guess I like you said. I'm just clouded by the zane. Um, clouded by the zane. <laughs> welcome to our new podcast, Clouded by welcome the Zane. Clouded by the zane. Exclusively on Patreon. <laughs> Um, he gets killed real quick, and then the brother runs up into the uh, loft, I guess, and he saves his sister, which is kind of... The sister's, like, waving a, a, a broom handle or something at this ghoulie. So she went to stab it with a pitchfork, and somehow the critter ate it yeah. rather than being stabbed by it. So, yeah. like, there's no rules just right here. This is Outback. <laughs> and so the kid has a little firecracker, and he throws it at the ghoulie, and the ghoulie picks it up and eats it. And then there's a really cool, fun effect where it like blows up in the ghoulie's mouth and it kind of smiles. And I was like, oh, crap, did it just survive that? And then it just like slowly keels over and dies, which is yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was – I thought it was interesting, but I was like, wait a minute. that's That was a weird fake out. Like I needed the ghoulie to react, like smile and be like, rut row. Yeah, And exactly. then fall over. Like, yeah, like, I needed a connecting thought. It's like the – the, so the the critters can talk. You keep saying ghoulie, by the way. You did it like three times there. It's just a censor critter. me. Just give it's me a, a bleep critter. every time I say ghoulie, not critter. <laughs> it's a critter. A critter. A critter. Um, ghoulie, to be fair, better word. Um, but 
I they can talk to each other and they subtitle it like the raccoons in the. Great I was outdoors. just thinking that's the raccoons in freaking Great Outdoors, <laughs> which is a very narrow reference. Um, but that's how the raccoons talk in the Great Outdoors. And uh, all I could think was there was like a great opportunity for a joke, which pushes this movie a little more jokey than it is. Where the ghoulie would be like, you know, the critter. Yep. Thank you. Uh, if they were to like make a joke about Pepto Bismol or something. <laughs> like they they somehow knew what that was a like, new meaning to heartburn yeah exactly yeah but it dies and then uh the the other shapeshifter aliens have commandeered a cop car from the deputy that got and killed by crash into a church the cheapest looking set i have ever seen in my entire life it it's it- it's it, literally a treehouse. It looks like styrofoam. Like the, the they they crash into the front of this church and it all comes tumbling down and it straight up just looks like a bunch of styrofoam fell down. They took they took a cardboard box and painted it white and they were like just run into it. Yeah, exactly. That's good enough. That's a church. And so they so they have these really phallic guns. Yes. That like extend when they're getting ready to use. It's extremely it's phallic. It's very it's very much the Schwartz, the the lightsabers, <laughs> the Schwartz lightsabers from Spaceballs, yeah, from Spaceballs, because it like they like they hold it at their junk level and it like extends out. It's weird, unexplained and weird. I think they're supposed to look like chain guns, like from you know the I think it's Terminator oh, yeah, yeah, Two yeah. that that's like so heavy he has to hold it down low, but it doesn't read on film that it looks no, that. No, <laughs> it does not. And so it is very phallic. Um. So they go into this church and they ask us, they, for some reason, the guy changes his face again and becomes the priest, shoots the organ, and then they just leave. Yep. And I, I needed more clarity for these guys, like why they were going on the trail they were going. I needed a path for them. Yeah, they seem to be tracking the critters very poorly. Yeah, if these, this is their job. Right. And apparently they're not good at it because we missed this in the ship. The um the hover round alien was like, "Hey, can you not destroy an entire planet this time?" Yeah. And as he's mid sentence, they shut him off. And I was like, "Why are these the guys for the job then?" They're the only ones available. Look, Angie's list. I need to complain. <laughs> I need a hitman who won't destroy a planet. <laughs> um, and so the family decides to run away, but all their cars are have been critterfied, and. Then they try and go back inside, but the door is locked somehow by a latch from the inside. Yeah, I don't understand how this happens. It doesn't make any sense. Because the the critters aren't in the house yet. Yeah, so the critters didn't do it. I don't get it. Dee Wallace becomes a badass. Is this where she picks up the gun? On the porch. Yes, the dad's been bit and he's like fumbling and they're trying to get this like last bullet. And then the kid ends up like running around the back of the house, shimmying up a tree getting in his window, coming down to the front door and opening it, and then D. Wallace shoots a couple as they're, like, falling backward into the house. Yeah, and we get a uh, subtitled F-word. I wonder if that counts towards, like, how that counts in definitely. your um, rating system. Definitely. You can't put the word. You definitely would count. The word is on screen. I guess, yeah. So they get um, back in the house, and then we cut to the bowling alley where the dad is supposed to be at his bowling tournament, and they have Ghostbusters bowling shirts that's, like, a pin with a no the ghost. The Pinbusters. Yeah, which I like a lot. And they're, like... This is so weird. Why isn't he here? He's never late. This is so odd. And then the bounty hunters show up and like wreck up the bowling alley and the bar. He throws the ball down the lane so hard that the pins disintegrate. He Fred Flintstones. He straight up Fred Flintstones. This. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then this is where we get the final form of the face shift. Oh, and he wait. shifts into the drunkard Charlie, who's also the kid's friend and also works on the farm. Yes. Also, there is a guy in the background. I don't know if you saw it. But there's an extra in the bowling alley scene that looks straight up like Uncle Leo from Seinfeld. No, I have to go look back and look. <laughs> I was giggling. I should have told you to look for it. He's like one of the many extras as the dude is like getting ready to throw the ball. It's like, is that Uncle Leo? I don't think it's him, but he looks very much like him. <laughs> yeah, they they have a, a fight in the bowling alley and then leave because yeah. they're bad at their job. Well, they so they go into like a back room and they have like a, a standard movie bar confrontation where like some redneck guys like I don't think you're welcome here and that one alien shoots the television with his gun but it sucks because they do a cool effect that gets totally lost the bartender hits one of the aliens with a baseball bat and the bat explodes like it breaks off and goes flying 
Oh yeah, but it, they sh- it, is, it is too hidden in there. They shoot the TV at the same time, so you're distracted by the explosion and you don't get to see this effect. And it's like, no, you should have had that like almost simultaneously. So we saw the bat and the bartender look confused, and then the sh- they shoot the TV. It just is like two bang bang, and you lose this effect that I think would have been good for characterizing these aliens a little better. I agree. Um, so the critters break into the house and Quill D Wallace in the neck. And it's kind of unclear if these quills are poisonous or just darts. Yeah, it it you would think they would be poison, but it doesn't appear that they are. Yeah. Um, so they run upstairs. The kid trips. He goes to shoot a ghoulie and trips. Yes. And shoots the fan, which then falls on the ghoulie. Yeah. And, like, it doesn't build tension. No. Because it's too fast. Right. So... There's, like, a little moment where you think the fan is going to land on the kid, but then he just rolls gently out of the way, like, stop, drop, and roll style, and then it kills the ghoulie. Exactly. And the kid runs upstairs and throws a lantern and sets fire to his house. Yep. That his family is trapped in. Yeah. The critters have, like, forced them upstairs. I think you said ghoulie again. And then mm. he, he, the kid decides, like, okay, I'm going to make a run for it. I'm going to go out, get on my bike, and ride for the highway. And the kid gets outside, and there's a critter just by his bike that seems to have eaten part of it or something. How does he know they need the bike? I, well, how do they know they need the cars? They're, like, extremely smart. And it's not clear. I want to like this movie more. I like the movie, but, like, it could have been so much better. So we get a montage here that's kind of like the one in Gremlins where they destroy the bar, except they're destroying this house. And there's it's a, a weird, lighthearted montage for this movie. Yeah. It's, like, I, like I said, it's kind of tonally weird overall but they look at a um an et doll and they just like eat it and destroy it which i thought was yeah. pretty funny he first is like trying to caress it like figure out what it he, is like, boops it on the nose uh-huh and then he just eats it so the boy meets the bounty hunters and takes them back to his house the they at this point introduce that there's a giant critter which is like they can grow apparently. Yeah, and the dad ends up. It's like reaching through a cabinet trying to grab the sister, and the dad grabs hairspray and a lighter and goes all flamethrower on him, which is really cool looking. It's clever. Uh, and then this turns into uh, House of the Dead, starring D. Wallace, the video game. <laughs> and she's got like the shotgun and the flashlight down the hallway. Uh huh. Uh huh. Aliens um, arrive, and then M. Emmett Walsh arrives at the house. Like the cavalry has come. I just. <sighs> His character needed more or cut from the film. Well, M.M. Walsh? Yeah. Well, not cut from the film. But that's what I mean. Like, with how they gave him too little to be worth the time in the film. So they needed to give him more to do. Yeah, I mean, you're not, you're not wrong. I, I, I'm always in favor of more M.M. Walsh. Give me those 10 minutes back movie. Right. And I never say that. So there's a, they're walking through the house trying to find the critters. And there's one There's one in the toilet. And so they, like, kick the – this is the aliens, by the way. They have their, like, super alien guns. They kick the toilet lid up, the seat up, and they shoot their gun. And the toilet, like, blows apart, which is really cool. But that's when I got confused. I was like, wait, was this the movie? And then I ended up looking it up and be like, no, I'm pretty sure it was Ghoulies. Yeah. Um. So they decide – Wait, so they all get outside. There is one right before that. There is one Emma Walsh movement that I want to point to because it's my favorite in the movie. He is like in the house and the alien that looks like Charlie sees him and they like have a quick conversation where he, like Charlie gives him like he's going to give him the choke slam. He's got him yeah. up in the air and then he hucks him through a window and the stuntman goes not only through the window, but through the porch railing. And I did like that. That stunt- was really nice. This is not a crack on Emma Walsh, but the stuntman is at least... 75 pounds lighter than him and it's like it's like couldn't <laughs> you have stuck him. a pillow in there guys like i'm not trying to clown on emma walsh i'm clouded on the stunt band matching poorly uh but yeah it's a cool stunt where it's like the plate glass and then through the railing which i thought was really awesome yeah um but the kid goes back into the house to save the cat yes. or like help them find no to ghoulies. save the cat oh it is to save the cat critters critters they're critters <sighs> whatever we should, have done bo- we should have done these two movies in the same month and really just driven home the insanity. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you want to hear two idiots babble for two hours and nonsensically? Um, and so he finds the cat, and then he hears his family outside screaming, like, come down, come down, please get down here. And he's, like, slowly, casually wanders to the window holding the cat. No, yeah. no. You hear that and you run. Throw that cat out the window. It will be fine. Throw it to your sister out the window or just hold it. Hold it tight and run. 
Right, exactly. And this is where the giant one shows up and the alien shoots it. Uh, the bounty hunter shoots it, rather, and it jumps out the window. And we are told, off screen, it kidnapped the sister. I think the big critter was, like, a good idea they had that just didn't work functionally. I think it was very much a Bruce the Shark in Jaws situation. That's fair. Where it's like, we're going to do all these cool stunts, and then they're like, none of this works, so it's going to stand in one spot slowly. Yeah. And then we get a really rushed final sequence, and this is what I think is the biggest bummer of the movie for me, is that, like... The sister's been taken onto the ship. We assume they're going to eat her. It's unclear why they decided to only kidnap her and not just, like, quill everybody. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I need they, to see her, like, for some reason she's standing alone, which is why she gets grabbed, or some logical explanation. Yeah, I needed Hocus Pocus. Danny is a, separated in the graveyard, and right. that's why she's able to get snatched. Exactly. Like, I, I needed something. Be more like Hocus Pocus, Andrew says. <laughs> I always say that. Um <laughs> and that's the that's the uh quote the no top out of context quote <laughs> yes be more like hocus pocus um and so like they go into the ship and uh the kid has his pipe bomb and somehow they save the sister and get chased out of the ship and he's like i dropped my dynamite and they're like we'll discuss why you have dynamite later <laughs> yes your homemade pipe bomb um and this is where Charlie's like, I'll just throw a Molotov cocktail into it. Yeah. <laughs> so the door, it's like an alien, very alien door that like comes down at an angle, like lowers like a drawbridge. And as it's lifting back up, he lights this Molotov cocktail and hucks it in there. Yeah. And it starts a fire and they somehow explode the house as they drive by. And they fly by. They they shoot a laser at the house. It's like oh, a final FU. Yeah. It like hovers there, turns toward the house and it's like, boom and then they're like later that's what i mean like they tried to give the ghoulies personality but it's not it it was too unclear and ineffective they need more um and then the thing lights the dynamite that's inside and the ship explodes and i was like so they just don't have a house now yeah exactly they're the d wallace is like sobbing she's the only person in this movie who seems to care that the house is gone which would be like Ultimately, extremely traumatic for this family. And she's like crying. On top of the fact that they just fought, fought critters. Right, right. She's openly crying. Everyone else seems completely unfazed by this. Yeah. And so the bounty hunters, it's, this movie is very Lilo and Stitch, except for the, <laughs> for the like becoming part of the family. And also, they don't eat as many people in Lilo and Stitch, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Stitch puts a few people's head in their mouth, in his mouth. Um. They, like, give him a communicator, and they're like, if you need us, call us. He just says, call me. Like, Oh, oh yeah. He just says, call me, and he It's leaves. like me drunk at a bar trying to hit on a guy. Just, <laughs> here's the thing, call me. Um, And so it's smash cut to the next morning, and they drive up. Don't know where they've been for the last few hours. I don't think um, it's... Do they drive up? I missed the car part. Yeah, they drive up. Oh. And I was like... I know you drove a few, like, maybe a couple hundred, like, 50 yards. Well, logically, it was probably MMO Walsh being like, come into town, stay at my house or the local motel or sleep in the jail cells. Like, there's nowhere for them to sleep at this place. Like, they do, they do need to get away. Yeah. And then they're there, like, weeping at their destroyed house. And the, the Kim Possible communicator uh, lights up and he hits a button and all of a sudden we get like this whoosh of air and all the stuff starts flying towards the house and they run the shots in reverse, this house being destroyed in reverse, but they play the audio too. And I was like, why? Right. That doesn't help anything. It just sounds stupid. Yeah. I, instantly I was like, oh, I'm very, very aware that this is just the shot being run in reverse. Right. And there's this weird dramatic, like pseudo dramatic moment of the cat being pulled by the wind too. And then instantly no one gives a shit about the cat until it comes out of the mailbox at the end yeah it's very that i didn't part need that drama agreed agreed um and they all pet the cat and the movie ends roll credits and everyone is very happy there was much rejoicing um the second movie does not oh we also see uh, on the way out like there's some critter eggs in the chicken coop the the old classic like ah it's not not quite dead yeah the michael jackson turnaround with the eyes the you know the literal ending of godzilla 1999 Oh, yeah. The chestburster coming out in Alien vs. Predator. Uh-huh. Um, but it doesn't... The second movie, I didn't... I haven't seen it, but I did look because I was curious. Does it, like, pick up right away? And it doesn't quite do that. 
Also, interesting. the bounty hunters' names are Ugg and Lee, which I don't think we touched on. No, we didn't. Yeah. I uh, didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, apparently Charlie is like their companion. He, he like walks off with the bounty hunters like, y'all know Oh, so they're the doctors and he's the companion? Uh-huh. He is like with the alien bounty hunters in the subsequent movie. At least- I'm into that. Too. Yeah. Um, there are four Critters films- uh, the secret upcoming series, yes, and and an upcoming fifth movie, yes, which is uh, sci-fi purchased the rights to Critters and Killer Clowns from Outer Space in order to make sequels. So there will be sequels to both of those. Kyoto movies. Brothers. I don't think they're going to be involved, but we'll see. That's a bummer if they're not. Yeah. Um, the the Shutter one apparently is a reboot, not a sequel. But the sci-fi okay. one is a sequel. Um, so final thoughts. It's a really enjoyable movie. I liked it a lot, despite the tangents. Um, I just, for me, I like the tone. I wish it had more of a gremlinsy tone and really gone for it. Give me those 10 minutes of character development and storyline back. Right. Honestly, I want it to be a little more like Tremors. So, okay, we didn't talk about this. I haven't texted you. So I was house-sitting with my boyfriend, and we were looking on demand, and the movie Tremors was there because we just wanted something kind of mindless for, to watch yeah. for a couple hours, kill a few hours. And I was like, oh, this movie is so fun. Let me play you the trailer. It is a terrible trailer. Is it really? It is so bad. Because I was like, oh, it's like a fun movie. It's got Kevin Bacon. It's like scary but silly and fun. Yeah. It is an awful trailer. You know what else has a really bad trailer? I was trying to convince uh, my girlfriend to watch... What we do in the shadows, that vampire comedy from Taika Waititi and and, yeah. and those guys, which I think is like genuinely hilarious, and the trailer is awful, like unwatched. Like I would never watch that movie if I had seen the trailer. And it's like what? Are, Same with Tremors. Yeah, uh, Tremors definitely still holds up. So if you didn't watch it that night, you should definitely revisit. I, I didn't, think it's but I great. will. Um, I just could tell I, he watched the trailer and I was like, oh, I lost this fight, right? I yeah. lost this battle at the moment. Yeah, to you got to just put it on because it's I, I watched it with some friends recently. Most a couple people had seen it as kids and not recent, you know, not in a long time. And it holds up. It paced really well. It's it's a great monster movie. Um, I It's a bummer that it was released in 1990 because it's absolutely an 80s movie. Um, yeah. And but we ended up watching tremors and then i talked about how ridiculous the series got and they kind of didn't believe me so we watched the trailer for tremors two three four five and six which are like really bad which one's the western is that five four oh uh five and six are like modern in the last four years bert is still in them by the way really his new sidekick is jamie kennedy not mad about it yeah um, I agree with you. I think Critters is really good, despite all the tangents we went on here. I, it's a really fun movie. It's super, super short. Um, I've heard the second one is still pretty good. I've not seen it, but I will probably check that out at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought this was really a, a fun movie. I, I wish it was. It's like almost great, which is disappointing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, and that's a that's a silly criticism to make, sort of, where you're you're like, this is good, but almost great, and that's a bummer. But it is like. This is almost a great movie, and and it could have been there. It's pretty close to it, but as is, I think, well with your time. Uh, two movies this month where I you know wasn't familiar with the thing going on, and and ended up really digging the movie. So yeah, uh, that's a that's a cool thing when it happens. Uh, so yeah, I definitely recommend. This is a two hearty recommends, which I cannot ge- genuinely. Well, uh, do we both recommend all the marbles before this month? I cannot remember the last time. Remember that? Yeah, last time I don't know. Um. But yeah, thank you all so much for listening to the show. Uh, we will be back shortly, but don't forget, you can get a hold of us uh, all sorts of ways. We're on Twitter and Facebook. It's at Dissect the 80s on Twitter. Just search for Dissect the 80s on Facebook. We're available wherever you get your podcasts, of course. And if you want to get in touch with us, uh, dissecting the 80s at gmail.com or 856-DISSECT if you want to call and leave us a message. Uh, we may play that on the air if you do. Um we're heading into one of the most exciting months of the show for one half of this podcast. It's the annual AppSit MOA. Andrew programs the show in the month of April. So we will be back then. But uh, don't forget, if you haven't yet, we now have uh, we now have four episodes up on Patreon. If you are interested in joining and getting some more content from us for if you join at the $5 level, you instantly unlock four bonus episodes. And we are very close to a bonus commentary track that will be for all Patreon supporters. So if you're interested in seeing some more content, head over to patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. 
So, since it's your month, what are we doing for Absit Moa Part 1? Part 1 will be Pet Cemetery. Oh, okay. It's exciting. To tie into the new Pet Cemetery coming out with, um, is it, not John Cleese, um, the dad in, in... Yes, Third Rock from the Sun. John Lithgow. Yes, yes. In a very, it seems out of out of out of you know out of wheelhouse for him yeah yeah he's playing the role that was originated by the guy who was herman munster whose name i always forget. yeah yeah uh the two youths um i'm excited sometimes I, I, dead is better. better yeah <laughs> i uh haven't seen pet cemetery in a long time excited to revisit i think the new one looks pretty spooky so i'm excited it to looks see it too. scary as hell yeah so i'm i'm excited for that um so, yes, we are continuing the annual tradition of Absit Moa. Andrew programs the show in the month of April. That really easy to remember acronym. I'm sure everyone yeah. out there is just frantically tweeting Absit Moa. Hashtag Absit Moa. Absit Moa. Um, but, yes, thank you all so much for listening to the show. Uh, and also don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you get it. We read those on the air. So rate and review the show, and that helps us spread the word. And I, I haven't said it in a while, but this always goes, uh, if you like the show, Tell two friends. That's the best way to find out about new stuff. We are the best pyramid scheme in that no one ever gets ripped off. <laughs> there is there's no money to be spent. Just our social life. It's just we just would like it if you tell two friends. So if you like the show, tell some people about it. Recommend it to your friends. We appreciate when you do that. Um, can't tell you how many times we've had a new listener and it's like, how did you find out the show? And then, oh, my friend told me about it. So love when that happens. Thank you for sharing and spreading the word. We really appreciate it. Thank you once again for listening. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until April 8th. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.